Welcome to the Kayak Bass Nation. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to KBN Live. Happy Monday to everybody. We got a, a huge show tonight. We've got a special guest, first time kayak winner, but everybody recognizes him as one of the most legendary bass fishermen of all time. Mike Akinelli is on KBN Live again. Ryan, what do you think about that? Craziness. It's craziness. Well, let's get him on here first, and then we'll then we'll go ahead and tout that one. Tout that one. To, all right. To we, be we, determined. To be determined. To, to be determined. All right. Let me get let me get thing. Let me pull him in here. We were trying to track him down right here at the last minute, so. Uh, let me pull him in. Hang on just a second. Boom. There we go. Hey, he's real. He's real. He's here. He's real. All right. Hi guys. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, congratulations. Thank you for uh, taking time to join us again, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me on again. I appreciate it. The champ is here. The upper Chesapeake champ in the building. Yeah, I'm still smiling. You know, it's, uh, (laughs) been a couple days already that passed but uh man as long as i've been doing this competitively i i, I put the number at 30 years because i like the you know it's when i started in college to to now you know i started this quest it is hard to win at any level you fish i don't care if you're fishing grassroots federation level regionally nationally in a bass boat, in a kayak, in a John boat, it is hard to win. And I cherish them, man. They're all very special. And that one was special for me. Let me ask you this, sir, because obviously you've been to the to the mountaintop, Bassmaster Classic champion. You've won on every level in between that. Uh, but as a competitor, I know this win doesn't come with the same media accolades or money or anything like that, but as a competitor to step out and do something different like this, where did this rank for you winning a kayak tournament versus a you know, boat tournament of a different kind? Man, I, I'm, I know I've already got flack for it, but I'm telling you, the, the win itself and the way it happened goes right up there with some of you know, what people think are my biggest wins, you know? Um, you know, like the classic win was life changing and career changing, but you know, that moment of winning, that moment of catching a fish and it being the winning fish and it's the drama behind it, it felt the same as the classic. You know, it felt the same. My win on the Delaware River, which was one of the biggest wins in my career because my home fishery, that felt the same. You know, so it didn't really feel any different than some of my biggest wins. And it didn't feel different than some of my wins that nobody knows about. My first club victory, Top Rod Bassmasters in 1990. I remember the first time I won as a solo competitor in my John boat. That was a huge (laughs) moment for me. I I can close my eyes and remember the winning fish, right? So, I mean, it's all the same, man. If and you're a if you're a competitor, I don't think it matters. Arguably, you, know? you had more to prove in 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 this in the kayak side. Like everybody knows, you can catch them out of a bass boat. We've seen it. We've seen it on TV. We've seen it on the internet. You know, you started this this kayak journey on the national trail scene last year at the Susky. And, yeah. And everybody's been like, you know, okay, like you know, he's a pro. Clearly, you know what you're doing. I mean, you make a living doing the stuff. But can you do it out of out of the kayak, can you change your mentality to target, you know, 
a smaller area, really slow down and focus and, and pick a place apart instead of the advantage of being able to cover so much water. And I mean, I think, I think you, you shut a lot of people up with that one and you did it the right way. And that's one of the things that I'm most proud about. You weren't up there running around in your big boat, you know, with 14 inch screens, dropping pins everywhere. You pre-fished out of the kayak and you were hyped up about it. Brian called me before I ever saw anything. He's like, dude, I just got off the phone with Mike. He is freaking stoked, man. He's like, I've never heard him this excited. Like, you think that he just freaking, you know, you just want it all right here. Like, I mean, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it was was a great, amazing experience. But, you you know, there are two things you said I I definitely want to talk about. One is um, doing it the right way, you know. And I got to start seeing competitive kayak fishing probably – five, six, seven years ago at the Hobie Worlds. And then I was invited to a Hobie BOS championship. And I got to create relationships with kayak anglers and, and know, you know, I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. And I had to learn that, you know? So I'm very, very proud of, thank you for mentioning that. I'm, I'm really proud that I did, I did it the right way. I didn't, I didn't ask for help. I didn't practice on a place for two weeks. I had a day and a half of practice. That's not a knock on anybody. That's not a knock on anybody. He's not a camper. He's not a camper, Ryan. I didn't ask Spot for camp. way. I didn't ask for waypoints. I went out and worked hard. I I did that at Champlain. I did that at the Susquehanna last year. I made mistakes. I I had a disqualified fish at the Susquehanna that caught me two spots. I fished for largemouth at Champlain that were heavier but not as long. I made my mistakes. I've taken my licks. I've I've done things wrong. So to win and, and to know in my mind, I feel like I've done all the right things. It, it felt really, really good. You know, um, it definitely felt good. But the second part of that is I'm so thankful and happy that people appreciate what I'm doing. And I, I, I'm always thankful for that to fans, to the kayak community. Thank you guys for letting me in and letting me experience this. I'm so thankful for that. But I want to be honest. And at the end of the day, I did this for me. And, you know, I set these goals for myself. I've been doing it since I was a kid. And not just even in fishing. And, and when I played hockey and when I went to college and I set these goals. And, you know, I work really hard to accomplish these goals for me, right? And I'm so glad that it makes other people happy and it, maybe it has an impact. It pisses some people off. I read the chat. I, I know. Brian sent me. I know. We'll get into that. We'll get into that here. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I take all that in stride, and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay that people love it. It's okay that people hate it. It's okay that people think it's the best thing. It's okay that people think it's the worst thing. At the end of the day, I did it the right way. I did everything I could do in my power to win. And I won. I did it for me. It was a check mark. It was a bucket list. You can't take it away. Let me see if I can show you. I'll show you the profile. It's sitting over there with my <laughs> classic trophy, with my AOY trophy, with my elite trophy. It's, I got it. So it, it was for me. Yeah. Every level. It's awesome. The, no, I wanted I mean, to ask it, it, Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 I was going to ask, uh, Ryan, I think talked to you at your first Hobie event you competed in. I think it was the river event last year. Yeah. And you, you talked about what you didn't realize, you know, two day tournament and all that kind of stuff out of a kayak. What was your biggest leap from then to now? Uh, was it, 
landing the fish, managing an area? What was your biggest leap kayak fishing from that first tournament to now? Oh, all of it. All of yeah. it. We, we could do an hour on it. I'm not kidding. Um, yeah. I, I'll give you like the shorter versions, but managing an area for sure. You know, you know, I, I, I'm a power fisherman. I'm such a fast fisherman anyway. I really had to learn to, to develop an area and find different things in that area, you know, and especially the decision that I made on the Susquehanna flats where I was sort of committed once I got out in that flat. I, 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 I didn't have the time or the, the energy or the, you know, I didn't have the ability to, to do a lot of moving. So definitely I'm learning to maximize my fish as a kayak angler. And that is making me a better fisherman across the board, right? So what I'm learning in kayak fishing is going to help me in the big boat. It's going to help me in my John boat. It's going to help me when I'm bank fishing with Vegas. I'm, I really feel like, you know, when you learn stuff like that, it helps you across the whole uh, genre of fishing, you know? So learning to manage a spot, learning to land fish. Um, in this one, I consciously decided not to use a net. I had issues with a net at, at, at Susquehanna. I had issues with the net on Lake Champlain. And in this one, I did not use a net. Even on even on my soft stick bait fish, boy, eight, eight pound line through milfoil and hydrill and every vegetation you can you can imagine. So I'd landed fish different in this one. Um, you know, uh, I mean everything hook setting style, rod choices have gotten better. I've gone to longer rods in general. Um, you know, I mean a lot of the things that worked for me, they were a a buildup of. I don't want to say they were all mistakes, but the, the, the learning that I've experienced in the last two or three years of kayak fishing and if fun fishing and in tournaments, you know, how many rods are you taking with you? How have you whittled down your rod collection? It looked like a cell tower back there, Ryan. In yeah. the pictures I saw, <laughs> I, yeah. saw I saw he, he still had a few on deck there. Yeah. So I actually, that's another thing to change. I was really big early on my first, uh, my, my first couple years of kayak fishing that I didn't need a lot. And I remember, uh, fish with Morgan from Hobie, and I had a great experience with him fishing in the salt. I showed up with four rods. He looked at me like I was an alien, and I'm like, yeah, I don't need more than four rods. And the more that I started getting into the competitive side of kayak fishing, the more I realized you do, right? It's it's like golf. You need different clubs for different uh, shots, right? And my happy number now is 8 to 12, and that 10 number is what I really, really shoot for. And I, I used, I utilized 10 at Champlain this year. I utilized 10 on the upper bay and it feels right. That feels like the right number to me. And it, I always try to have a nice mix between power fishing rods and finesse fishing rods. And, um, and I did on the, on the upper bay, uh, last weekend. You could just be like Ryan and have one rusty hook and a old rod and <laughs> Go for it. Well, here's the difference. I don't recommend the, here, it. All right, I don't recommend it. Well, here's the difference. You're you're a really good fisherman. You're a natural, talented fisherman. <laughs> yeah. I gotta right. work for everything. I'm kind of not a natural fisherman. I kind of not that good. So I need the extra rods. I need time on the water. I need you know. I need all that, man. I rely on what's called blind luck. Um, that's how I. That's how I got big bass uh, on the Susky. 
I, I just rely on blind luck. When skill can't get it done, just cast until something big bites, and then then you'll be in good shape. It's just a lunch money legend, dude. That's all it is. Yeah. No, well, it's, pulling, pulling you along. It's you stubborn know, stubbornness is what that is. You know, you say. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you say the word luck, and you know, I think I think that that word is an interesting word because you know it's luck. A lot of times, um, I think is goes hand in hand with effort, right? And you have to put yourself in a position to be lucky. And, you know, some of the biggest wins in my career happened because I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And this one was no different. And like I, like I said, I will remember this when I'm on my deathbed. I'll remember this tournament because it happened at the very end. The, the, the winning fish happened at the very end. And um, it, was, it was incredible. It's so surreal when it happened. And if you're watching this and listening to this right now, I promise you it's happened to you. Whether you were in a major tournament or a fun tournament or fun fishing, you've had those experiences where the magic happens in the last minute or 30 seconds or three seconds. And <laughs> it was incredible to know. I knew, you know, I knew, like, I, I knew in my mind as I was watching that time go down and I'm flipping and flipping and flipping and I decided to spend those last 20 minutes punching mats. And every time it would sink in the mat, I'd be ready and ready and ready. But I just kept watching that time click, you know, and 20 minutes, 15, 10, five. And, you know, self-doubt and negativity always wants to push through. And it was with me. I'll be honest. I could hear it. Oh, man, I suck. Because I missed, I, missed I missed one good bite. I worked on a good bite. And I'm like, God, that bite's going to kill me. Oh, man, I, I, I cannot weigh in a 12-and-a-half-inch smallmouth on the Susquehanna. Cannot do and, and, you know, it was, it was chiming. But I just kept going, right? I kept pushing through that. You know, we're tired. You're tired. It's the end of the day. You're exhausted. You're fatigued. And I watched that clock say 159, and I made a pitch into a, a cheese mat. And the bait pushed, pushed through, one-ounce tungsten weight, punched through the cheese, and when it sunk through, it was almost like time stopped. And I watched that, that hydrilla mat with cheese on it go like this. And it shook. You know it's got I know what that means. I know what that means. I've been fishing long enough. And a second later, poof, that line, that, you know, 65-pound braid just poop. You see it pop. And it was surreal. To, to, to have that moment and the pressure of getting that fish in, you know, and, and I'm a nervous person anyway. So I'm trying to calm myself, not make the mistakes I've made in the past. Let's get a good picture of this fish. Let's do it. Stay calm. Get it done before that clock clicks two o'clock. Get them pictures because it's time stamped, right? Yep. I, I worked really hard because I've made those mistakes in the past. I made, worked really hard to get it done, and I and I did it. And and you know, that drive back—it was a thirty-minute drive back from where I was fishing to the ramp. Man, it it felt good, you know. And I didn't know, I didn't know but deep in my soul, I I thought that you did been. know. I saw your freaking your update when you caught that fish. Yeah, like, everybody saw this one. This one. Everybody saw. I felt oh, like God. it might have right, been. Dude. I felt like it might have been the win of fish. It reminded me of the classic because at the Bassmaster Classic. I caught that winning fish. I had no idea what the competitors did. Gary Klein was smashing them. 
Uh, there were several guys that were catching them, but it's almost like I knew deep down inside. And I almost on that one, I knew, you know, to call a 12 and a half with an 18 and a half, it's a big, that's a big deal. And I kind of knew that might've been the winning fish. You can feel it. You can feel the electricity. Like when everything lines up, when everything lines up, you, I mean, you feel it the whole day, but when you finally close it out, that, that t the TOC last year, man, when I caught that limit fish, I knew if I caught a limit, no one was catching me. And yeah. like I, I've said it before, I mean, I broke down, like in t I just overwhelmed with emotion, like, because yeah. you know, you know, at that moment, like you just check the box, that's it. Go to the yep. truck, you know, it's time, it's time to get out of here. It's over with. Yeah. It's a, it's a sigh of relief, you know, and it's like all that hard work and, you know, you, I mean, you, you know, you worked hard as anybody in the kayak world. And when, when it, all that work pays off, it comes out emotionally, you know, it did oh, for yeah, me. For sure. this, so on, on, your, on your story, you were pretty calm, you know, when you gave the update or whatever on your video. But when it happened and you put the fish in the boat, was there a, was there some, some words flying and some excitement in the, in the kayak or what? Yeah. And it's funny because usually <laughs> when the fish comes in the, in the boat, in the kayak is when I let it out. But I knew I was up against this clock and I stayed very calm until I got the fish and took the picture. And until I, and I held it up, my little wheel was spinning. I'm like, Oh my God. And <laughs> submit it. And, it's a leaderboard and at that point you know i kind of let it out and there were still i think there were two guys in the area and they heard me and when we got back to the ramp they said yeah <laughs> they didn't say we saw you catch that last fish they said we heard you catch that <laughs> so when uh, we were on the susky we went to this little I, I love to find little dive bars on the road that's my favorite thing to do is find a little dive bar so I, I had I had Charles meet me at, at this little dive bar, right? And the dude's trying to close down, and we're sitting there talking, and we're talking about how animated how animated you are, and and Charles is like, it's not a show. Like what you see on television is not a show. People think he's doing that, like putting on some front, being obnoxious. He's like, the first time I went to his house. He and Vegas were fishing like on the edge of the pond and I hear somebody just screaming bloody murder. And he's like, Vegas pulls up like a three and a half pound bass. And he's like, Mike is laying on his back, like yelling, like in the oh, yard. Yeah. Just, he's like, he, that's how excited he gets about fishing in general. Like it's not. Yeah. Big. I love, I love the sport. I love the sport. I'm passionate about it. I've always been like that since I was a kid. I, I hope it, I hope it never changes, but uh, here's the, here's a great thing, you know, so this event, obviously wasn't televised there wasn't a live camera crew or any of that but i had a gopro running ah. the whole time i cannot wait for people to see this uh this tournament uh i i started it when i launched in the dark i ended it at at the award ceremony um got every fish catch the misses heartbreak the the, the struggles I, I can't wait for people to see this video. It, it'll be about, it'll probably be about three weeks out, but I cannot wait for people to see it. That's going to be Verbally, awesome. do your GoPro videos sound like mine do? Because I have, uh, I have a lot of audio that I have to, <laughs> that I have to do something with. I recorded the whole Susky for two days and you fish the Susky, you know, the small mouth. Uh, there were a lot of words that, that, uh, oh, yeah. in my mouth apparently. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. My I, I said something to my buddies, man. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, I have no idea why I would put that combination of words together. To be honest, Just put the raw footage out, Ryan. It's, it's oh, the yeah. internet. Yeah. Well, thank I don't God know we've if that's got a good idea. Yeah, we've had an amazing in-house editor, uh, Justin Suarez. Shout out to Justin. Uh, he has to deal with a lot of uh, beeps. He has to edit a lot of stuff out. <laughs> he has to hear me talking to myself a lot, you know, and I do. It, when I'm by myself in those in those events like that, boy, I'm sure I, he's going to – he knows I'm strange because I talk to myself all day. And I try to work out the problems in my head, you know. Oh, my God, the, the tide's falling. Oh, they're not here. What should they be? And I'm literally talking, you know. Oh, the tide's falling. Maybe they moved out to this. So, Wait, wait, wait. No, no, wait, wait. There's a mat over there, you know, and I'm constantly doing that. So he already thinks I'm weird. It's okay. That's I like funny. It. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the actual tournament itself, but there's some questions in the comments I didn't want to forget. So I'm going to ask you a few of those real quick if that's all right. Sure. Did you catch any of those, Ryan? Uh, I've been trying I'm to take trying notes. To, man. I'm trying all right, to. So the first one that three people asked, I think, is now that you've won this event, obviously, you're qualified for the kayak championship in conjunction with the classic next year. Are you going to fish that? Absolutely. 100 percent. Oh. Uh, um, you know, I'm still uh, in a little stage of disappointment about ho qualifying for Hobie, you know, and I, I really wanted to at Champlain. I I wanted to have another opportunity. I can't fit another one on my schedule. I, they had second chance events. They're not this year. So uh, the Hobie, I'm, that's another bucket list. Right. So, you know, next year that'll that'll be uh, high on my list. But 100% I'll be fishing a championship event at Bassmasters this year. You know, in fact, and I, I want to be honest with you, we joked about it um, at, at the award ceremony, but there is an outside chance I can still qualify for the Boater Bassmaster Classic this year. I have one event left on the Thousand Islands. You know, that's a year win and you're in. So if I win there, I have the potential to qualify for two championship events in the same week. And – would you yeah. do it? Would you fish I, them both? You I, I, I told John Stewart, I said, if they didn't conflict and Bass allowed me to fish both, I will 100% fish both events in the same week. That'd be epic. That'd different, be cool. different water. Cool. So I guess, you know, it's fine. different water, as long as they're on different days and they allow me to miss media day, which I think is the last day of the event, I will fish both if I qualify for the boater side of the Bassmaster Classic. That's pretty badass. That's awesome. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. see. Somebody else asked, how did you come to grips? How does a bass boater, I guess they're talking to you, come to grips with not being able to cover water like you normally would? Yeah, that was that was a tough, tough one. You know, we talked about there was a list of 15 or 20 things that I had to relearn and, and um, figure out, and that was a big one. And, um, you know, at the Susquehanna last year, I was able to – utilize different boat ramps uh, and and actually come up with a strategy that had a morning spot where I pulled out and then had an afternoon spot. So that that worked okay. But in this one, I, I really did have to learn to maximize an area. And one and this is going to seem obvious to a lot of people listening and watching, but for a guy that fishes fast and hates to slow down, this is not an easy thing utilizing my power pole, my micro spike. Um, gosh, I used it religiously on Saturday. 
And when I got to an area where I believed it was a key zone, I would put that spike down. I'd put that pole down and I would do this strategy. And, and I've learned this strategy as a bank fisherman when I was a kid, which is left to right, uh, uh, each cast, I want about two to three feet apart. And I would do that. I would pull down and I would start left and I'd go cast, the next cast two to three foot to the right, the next cast two. And that fan casting till I hit that 180 degrees. I went from my left to my right. And then I would pull up, I would move up and do it again. And it's it was really, really hard for me. It's hard for me to slow down. But what a great way to be thorough and to saturate the water and to maximize the water. And that 100% was one of the keys to, to that win on Saturday for me was slowing down and being thorough. And, and again, I feel like it's making me a better fisherman. It's making me a more dynamic angler. So it's good. And overall, I mean, I think, I think seeing the, the pros come over and, and fish these events, not only does it, it teach you guys something and you, you kind of get a different viewpoint on, on how this complete other sector of the sport operates, yeah. but from, from people on the outside looking in, because I've, I've got a ton of buddies that fish the local derbies and stuff out of bass boats or whatever, and they look at kayak fishing as lesser than. I mean, they do. Like, it's not a, like, that's, I mean, pretty common. I feel yeah. like if you're in an $80,000 glitter boat, you look over and see a $3,000 kayak, and you're like, ha, what's this guy doing out here? But when you guys that have literally, you know, made careers out of this come over, and and no offense to any of your previous performances, but get, you know, get beat by, by yeah. a dozen kayak guys, then they're like, oh, shit, like, these dudes may actually know what they're doing. And I know that it's a different dynamic. You know, you have more experience and a, a broader skill set, generally speaking, in, in your mind, you know, just mentally approaching these tournaments. But I think that really shows kind of the, the overall skills of some of these guys that are in the kayak sport. Uh, not to say they couldn't, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they should cross over and go bass boat and, and fish some of these pro trails. But that's not that's not going to translate either. Just like you coming right. over to fish kayaks, like you don't have the mentality as a kayak angler to run and hit, you know, a dozen spots in a day, just power fishing, just looking for those five bites. Yeah. Like, it's a yeah. completely different mindset. It is. It is. And I, I can tell you, and again, I'll, I'll probably get a lot of flack for it, but kayak angling is probably harder in my opinion than big boat tournament top level tournament fishing it really is because i think there's i think there's more strategy i think there's more physicality right you know you 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 got to have balance and you got to have strength and i i think in a lot of regards it's tougher uh, on the kayak side and and um you know it's uh it's it's a ch it's a challenge it was definitely a challenge and i hey listen i won and i'm stoked and i'm excited but I am by no means, even in the top 20 or 30% of the best kayak anglers in the world right now, I'm still not there. I still have a lot to learn. Uh, and that's okay. That's okay. It took me a really long time to get to be in that top 20 or 30% as a boater. So it's going to take me a really long time to be in that top 20 or 30% as a kayak angler. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I like the process 
I like the process of failing and, and doing the wrong shit and then, and then having a good event and winning. I love that process. I'm okay with it, you know? Here's uh, maybe the most important question of the night. Is Aaron White your hero like you are his, the TD of that tournament? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I'll tell you, that, that's, a tough, that's a tough job. Um, you know, all the tournament directors, uh, really tough job. From the kayak tournament directors I know to the big boat tournament directors I know, it's a very tough, stressful uh, job, and I I don't take that for granted. I know how tough that is, but um, you know, Aaron Aaron w- ran a great event. He made it fun. Uh, I I'm so glad that I won. At you know, my first event was a Bassmaster event with him as the as the tournament director. It, it felt fitting for me. You know, a lot of my success as a professional angler, the start of it was at bass and um it's nice it sort of feels like to me it brings it full circle that my first big win is a kayak angler hopefully there'll be more but my first big win was at bass so, so i don't know i don't mean to tell on aaron i don't know if he completely fangirled out when he was handing you that trophy i've known aaron for about five years and i i literally love aaron to death he stays with me whenever we travel together. Like he is my boy. He loves. He loves some Ike. He will fight you <laughs> over Ike. Yeah, I'm serious. You better. You better not. I mean, if you're if your Ike real backlashes, you better not say shit about it. He will fight you over that. He loves <laughs> Ike. So that to me, that was the best part of this is Aaron running this tournament and you winning it and him getting to share in that moment from somebody that is quite literally, you know, his fishing hero. Like that, wow. that to me is the best story in the whole thing. Like that's awesome. That's great. No, I, I, I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if he had I didn't to, like, know, his chest I, or anything. Like I didn't know <laughs> that. I, I didn't know that, but that's, that's awesome. That's, that's great to hear. But the, the one thing, the other thing I did appreciate is, you know, Aaron knows that fishery and it was, it was tough, right? So on paper, it's real easy to look at it from afar and see the top four or five guys, anglers in that event and say, oh man, they caught them. You know, 89 inches, 87 inches, 80, man, they caught them. Dude, that, that place is a bear. It's an ugly beast in August to September. It's ugly, 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 ugly. And I, uh, I got to talk to uh, Trey who came in second in that. Uh, shout out to Trey. Great event. Trey actually, Trey actually rigged out my kayak that I, that I used in that event. Um, Trey had six keeper bites and landed five. I think Greg, I talked to Greg. He caught the most. He targeted smallmouth. I think he had like eight or nine. David, I think, had like five keeper bites. Travis, only even, he only caught four, I think. Oh, no, he caught five. Six caught four. Dude, it was tough. And yeah. Aaron knew that, you know, and he and and uh, it was nice to know that the tournament director understood, you know, that it was going to be a challenging uh, fishery, and it was, it was. I, and I talked to my my boy Josh Evans. He's Aaron's partner in uh, in running their local club, but he was telling me he's like, dude, he's like, and he fished the tournament. He's like, this is going to be probably the toughest tournament nationally of the year. He's like, I don't look for many limits to be caught he's like august is a very tough time he said the grass gets so just 
it overruns everything. He said, you think like Chickamauga and Gunnersville get matted? He's like, up there, the whole, I mean, everything looks the same. He's like, it's just one huge mat. So that definitely brings a different dynamic to it for sure. Yeah, if, if uh, guys that are watching and listening right now that fished it, they know it was it was not easy. It was a challenge. I don't care where you were, if you were in a river or up the creek or out on the flat or fishing retreads, whatever you were doing, <laughs> you were not catching a lot. And and that's a tough mindset, you know, because like I, I just give you an example. And, uh, and I, I'm not I, I just I'm being real here at Lake Champlain. I found a rock pile. And I think I caught, I think the first day I caught 63 fish off a rock pile. I got to the point where I wasn't even putting them on the board anymore, you know? And the second day I caught like 34 off of that rock pile. One rock pile, you know? And Is then, that the only rock in the lake? Why were they all <laughs> right there? It was a special rock. Have they never seen a rock before? It was a special rock. But, uh, you, you know, you get to those events where the fishing is so easy. I don't want to say easy, but it's so good. And they're fun. They're great events. And no, I love those events. But there is something to be said about grinders. And when you do well in a grinder, you know, the all the anglers that checked here, the top 30 anglers that checked in this event, dude, you did something. And you feel proud of that because you knew what you were up against. And I I appreciate the grinders as much as I do the blowout tournaments. Um, they they're they're just as important, you know. That uh, that's something they talk about and ask all the time on the the Bass Talk Live podcast. They always argue about which one's your favorite grinder versus a slugfest. Which, which do you prefer? I I like them both. I like them both. I would say in my career, I've been better at grinders, and I think that's a lot of growing up in New Jersey. And having the stingy ass title Delaware River as my home fishery, <laughs> I think a lot of that comes from that. But as a as a guy that likes something pulling back, I'd much rather catch forty or fifty in a day. I, I like shit pulling back on the other <laughs> end, you know. I like ah. to hear that. I like that a lot, you know. So, oh man. <laughs> You see yeah. Travis's comment there? He says, if you go two hours without a bite, you start questioning your whole existence. <laughs> you do. And on, and on tidal water, it's even worse, right? Because you know you're around them, and you're just on the wrong tide. I knew, I knew that. I knew going in when I looked at the tide charts, and tide charts generally put you in the ballpark. They're not always perfect, but they put you in the ballpark. And I saw low water for about an hour in the morning, and I saw lower water for about an hour in the afternoon. I knew – six hours of the day it was going to be the big the big biting the big one i knew it and and that's tidal water you know and those fish learn to feed on those key low water windows with exception of the spawn the other eight ten months out of the year right they're feeding on the tide windows and 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 those fish that's how they live and you're really uh you just struggle when, when water's high and we had a lot of high water in that tournament. And, you know, a big moment for me in that particular event was I caught my big fish. It was a 19 and a half on almost a dead high. It was actually still coming in. It was what I call almost balls high. And to catch, to catch a 19 and a half on the worst water was a gift. And, you know, when you win tournaments, I, I've said this before. You, if you've watched Ike Live, you've heard me say this many a times. 
to win a tournament is like getting struck by lightning. You sort of can't stop it and you can't get out of the way. And key things have to happen, you know? So my decision to start where I started was important. Catching that 19 and a half on a tide I shouldn't have caught him was important. That last fish was important, right? It's like getting struck by lightning, man. I well, couldn't get out of the way of it, you know? That's what I tell everybody, like, to, to, to lose a tournament, to not win a tournament, only one thing has to go wrong. Only one thing yep. has to go wrong. To right. win a tournament, 11,000 things have to go right. Like, literally right. everything. You got to check your knots. You got to have – I mean, I'm terrible about not changing my line every three years or so. Like, just <laughs> – I mean, just it's, – it's my own doing usually because I'm lazy and I'm late to the ramp and all this stuff. But, uh, you know, like, there's anything, any number of things. Your line can get wrapped around your drive. You can try to net one and knock the damn thing off. Like, anything can happen uh, to make you lose a tournament. But to win one, to win one, all the cards kind of have to fall in your favor. And that's the – that's the amazing part about these guys in our sport that are so freaking consistent, man. Like, yeah. like the Jody Queens, Ewing Miners, Russ Snyders, yeah. Cody Milton's. Like, those are the guys that manage to stack the deck in their favor and everything. Like, I mean, it seems like they're just touched, and I don't know how you get to be that touched, but yeah. But well, we you're, definitely you're, have those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're in that bucket list too, and and all those guys you mentioned, you know, again, I, when I talk about that top twenty percent of the sport, you know, again, I'm so happy for this win. It, it is a bucket lister for me, but you know, I want to be one of those guys. I'm not done yet. You know, I've I've got plenty of years of fishing ahead of me. This isn't wasn't a phase. It, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't a fad for me. You know, this is something I'm going to be involved in for a long time. So I, I, uh, I, lo- I look up to those guys. All those guys you mentioned are really amazing, consistent anglers, and they're at the top of their sport for a reason. And I, I, I would love to be one of those guys, you know. Right. So hey, Ryan. Was, oh, yep, go ahead. I was going to say that his next bucket list item is making the KBN Top 25 at the end of the year, yeah? Yes. Yes, bring him. Bring it might in. be. Yeah. <laughs> Bring him in. The power rankings. Climb the rankings. Yeah. Might be. A, a serious question I have. Like, obviously, you know, you are a marketing machine. Like, you, you've done very well with that across, you know, many different avenues here. What do you see some of the names that we just talked about? And, and I know being active and putting yourself out there is a big part of it. But what yeah. do you see uh, as being able to cross over as a kayak angler? to expand kind of your reach, to, to reach outside the realm of just kayak fishing. So we do begin to see some uh, more monetary support, to be honest with you, to allow folks to really go all in on this. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's the same in any of the segments of, of sport fishing, which is, you know, um, visibility, right? Getting out there, getting to as many people through as many different ways as you can. That visibility, that content, that exposure is key. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to, you have to create a brand that's true to who you are. And when that when that's relatable to people, they gravitate toward it. And you know, the, the beauty of that is the very best brands aren't false and they're not concocted. The very best brands are who you really are. So, you know, every one of those names you mentioned, they've got amazing brands and, and they need to take hold of that, 
to flush it out a little and to massage it a little. And they need to show the world. Some, some of these guys do that for sure. I don't know. Yeah. How you know. Some of them massage it out every night. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Here but we go. You know, you know what I'm saying. They they need to, to take their brand and they need to show people why they're the best kayak angler in the world. And so – you, you know, I, I mean, it's not it's not easy, but, uh, you know, content is king. You know, video, uh, audio, what you guys are doing, podcasting, it's, it's a lot of hard work. And some of those guys may just want to fish. And, and, can, if, that, and if that's what that. they want to do, absolutely. It's same in the same in the big boat world. Some of those guys just want to fish. And I respect that and get that. But other guys are going to want to, do more and 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 push the envelope and you know work every day at it not just tournament days but every day every hour of every day think about how you could get out to more people and how you could reach people and how you can grow the sport when you start thinking about that every day of every minute of every day dude that'll start pointing you in the right direction you know i don't think i don't think some people understand the work involved in the hustle to, to make something like that happen. It's a lot. Let me tell you, I've, I've not done this many interviews in two days. I'm so <laughs> humble. I'm I, honestly so humble by it. I cannot, it's amazing. Like today I lined up like four or five more. I'm like, man, I feel like I've just won the classic because people are interested. People are excited. I want to get them excited, right? Like I did three today with, you know, they don't really know kayak fishing. And it was great to try to s- spread the word about why I do it and why it's special, why it's fun. And, you know, that that stuff's important, man. And that's how you grow a sport. That's how you get more people fishing. And that's what we want. We want that, you know? And, and I'll use this as, a, as an example. When the, when the I Conditioned Hobie came out, right, I made a comment. And, of course, there are plenty of Ike fans in the world. I was like, man, you know, it would be great to see these kayak companies throwing throwing some food back to to the kayak anglers themselves. Not that you're not a kayak angler, but I'm talking about the people that have been, you know, chasing this this shit down the road for the last 10 years. And people are like, oh, my God, Ike is a huge marketing bubble. I get that. I completely understand that. That's not the point I was making at all. I think at some point the kayak industry itself is going to have to start lifting up its anglers. Like when yeah. when you won your first classic, right? You know, you sign all these endorsement deals. These companies are lifting you up because of what you won. And if the industry itself doesn't begin to lift its own up when they win these big, you know, huge kayak tournaments, like you kind of have to take care of the inside. And that's where I want to that's where I want to find out where the line is. At what point will they say, "Okay, this kayak angler has enough reach or enough clout or what you know however you want to look at it they're yeah. worth investing in and i guess probably the hobie the hobie special edition guy was a uh bad uh platform to take that stand on uh obviously that's a pretty big deal for hobie but in you know generalities what i was trying to say was you know what, what's it going to take for these for these yeah. companies that are strictly in our industry to make you know some kind of investment into their anglers hey, that, we, that's we had kind of we, a big question we yeah. had the Jody Queen special edition readers idea, and the Russ's Reacher Rod was going to be a huge seller, and they canceled <laughs> that. Right. So I don't know what else. I don't know what else to do. We tried yeah. on that. We tried on that, yeah. but I think that's something. That's a bridge we're going to have to cross as an industry ourselves. 
Yeah. yeah. And there was a sending question from one of the, uh, they weren't going to be able to watch tonight, but they sent me a question to ask Mike. And that was, that was basically it is the kayak industry. How's it going to grow ver- sponsoring ver- elite pros like Mike versus kayak anglers themselves? Is it a give and take? And that, that was a question they had. So you kind of answered it or asked it there, Ryan, and, and Mike answered it. So there we go. Thanks for sending that in, Mr. Kravosky. Let's see if I can find any more questions in the comments. Uh, somebody asked earlier, there's two <laughs> questions. Are you, did you fish the flats the whole time? And then second, what was your, your bait key baits for the tournament? That's kind of goes together. Yep. Okay. Yes, I did fish the flats the whole, the whole time in the tournament. So I, I, I'm actually, I'll back up if it's okay. And I want to mm-hmm. sort of give you my mindset on how I came up with that real quick. So I had the schedule, my schedule is crazy right now. We're, we're just in the final stages of, uh, filming a new TV show. We've got a couple episodes left to film. A lot going on here. I'm so I, I don't mind. I love being busy, but I had two days budgeted to go down and look around. And 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 in my mind, through my experience there and through my research, I really thought that I wanted to spend one day on the flat, and I wanted to spend one day at the dam, the tail race of the Susquehanna River. And then a half a day there, and then a half a day in one of the creeks. Because in the Northeast on tidal rivers, I call it the trout stream pattern, which is the very backs of creeks have that cooler water and often the winning fish are there. So that was my mindset. I had two days and I wanted to do one day on a flat, one day at the tail, half a day at the tail race, half a day in the back of the creek. I did that. I spent one day on the flat and I had a, actually had a decent day. I had 11 11 keeper bites out there in my practice day. I established two areas that had groups of fish. And that's one of the most important things. I want to get in an area where I catch multiple fish. I have multiple bites because I feel like it's an area with fish, right? Getting back to what we talked about earlier, I can't hit a thousand one fish spots like I would on the title Delaware. So I wanted concentrations. I found two of them out on that giant flat. I was happy. I was good. My next day, these were back-to-back practice days. I started at the, the, the dam, at the Conowingo Dam, and I went about an hour and a half and never caught a smallmouth. That was kind of all I needed to see. I felt like I fished enough up there to say that this was not didn't have winning potential. I put the kayak back on the trailer. I started driving down to the Bush River to fish trout streams down there. And I got halfway there and I made it. I literally got halfway there and I said, it didn't feel right. As I'm driving, it felt wrong. (laughs) And I, I got off the exit of 95. I got back on the other exit and I drove back to Havard de Grace to put in a half day, another half day on that flat. I had the worst day you can imagine. I only had four bites in that half day. One wasn't a keeper, one I lost, and two I caught were good ones. But I identified another pattern that was working, which, which ended up being this mat pattern, this flipping pattern. And that's, that's really how it unfolded for me. You know, so I had, I had a day and a half of practice on the flat. I had some baits that were working, and I had two key areas. And that was the setup for the event. Uh, my, t- my, my two key baits ended up being a, a – Texas rigged tail weighted soft stick bait. Uh, 
you know, a, a Berkeley power bait general, Yamamoto Senko, black and blue fleck, that style bait, rigged on a four-aught VMC hook with a 16th ounce VMC nail weight inserted into the tail. And that was my key bait when I was really fishing more of that um, open water. You know, I talked about that fan casting left to right, just seening the area, right? That was what my first four keepers came on. Um, just taking my time, uh, lighter line, eight pound fluorocarbon leader on 10 pound braid. And that was a key bait for me, for sure. The second key bait for me, and if it wasn't, you know, when you look back, you say, oh my God, it's all, you know, now I get why it happened like that. I had that gut feeling to turn around and go back to the flat. I found that flipping pattern. I found that one ounce punching through the hydrilla. I only got two bites doing it, but <laughs> two, two of my big fish came doing that in those two areas that I found. There were two spots in those areas where the hydrilla mat touched deeper water. And they were key areas, and I, I wanted to get two bites punching. That's it. But it was a 19 and a half and an 18 and a half. And, you know, seven bites all day. I woofed, I woofed one soft stick bait bite, and that was it. The, the punch bait was a one-ounce VMC tungsten weight. It was a, a, a three-aught VMC heavy-duty flipping hook. And it was a Berkeley Maxent creature hog, which is a beaver style bait. And um, I fished that on heavy line. That was on 65 pound braid. That was on a big uh, eight foot Ike, Ike a flipping stick, Abu Garcia flipping stick. It was, it was awesome. I love hitting them with that rod. It was so fun hitting them. It felt good. Uh, somebody else asked, what was the boater traffic like on the flats in the ditch to Carpenter Point? Very specific question there. Yeah, so the, the great thing, and that, that guy, uh, Angler, obviously knows the flats really well. The, the great thing is the areas that I fished on the flat were what I call interior areas. And the great thing about these interior spots on the flat is that all the boat traffic avoids it because it's a big, giant hydrilla mat for five miles. <laughs> so your jet skiers, your sailboaters, your biggie small yachts, all that, the commercial barge traffic, nobody, nobody's gone out on that grass flat. It's too much shit out there. They ain't gone out there. So I had zero effect from boat traffic on the flat in that awesome. section that I was fishing. The beauty of the kayak. Yes. So AJ McWhorter pointed out a, a great fact. The uh, the Hobie Red Ike Edition is undefeated in national tournaments. That's true. Yeah, so <laughs> anybody that's looking for that extra mojo, wow, you can run out and grab one. It's uh, the shark that, teeth. That's, that's why he's a Hobie sales rep, guys. That's I it. mean, clearly nailed that one. That's so um, it's, it's so true. And and shout out to AJ. He's a, a, a great, amazing tournament director over at Hobie BOS. I. I, I don't want to put AJ on the spot, but I've learned, I've called him many a times weeks before the event, the night of the event, during the event, because I, I have questions. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. He's taught me a lot. He's taught me a lot. I appreciate that. appreciate the support. And it was really, really even, even more rewarding to be able to win my first kayak event, professional kayak event in that Hobie. It made it that much more special. So it was awesome. 
It's going to be like Tiger Woods' red shirt on Sundays. It's going to be a legend. My win. In. With your with your win, with your win, and with your fish, you got to see probably the shittiest part about kayak fishing as a whole. Uh, even though you weren't like mixing it up on the side, I know very well that you heard all about um, yeah. what we have to deal with. You, not yeah. only do you catch your fish, you bust your ass all day long in the sun, you know, sweating to death. You catch these fish, and then you have these dudes like eating Cheetos on the couch in their boxer, the pinky episode, going through every freaking picture. And I'm not at all, not at all, saying that there isn't rules that are in place about you know, whatever finger yeah. edge edge of finger under gill, whatever the fuck it is. Sorry for my French, but I mean <laughs> it's ridiculous that that we have this this extra dynamic that we deal with and it's not you know obviously you had more attention on you than probably anybody else did going through your stringer but it's nuts man i mean it's nuts yeah. that there there aren't two judges there's five thousand judges that are just yeah. trying to pick apart every little thing how what's your take on that i mean from that from yeah. a, a relatively new guy into this like what do you think yeah, I got a lot of takes on it. Uh, let me let me see where I where I can start. Uh, you know, the first first one is let me let me even start ahead of that, which is it's the same but different. You know, so I've I've competed at a lot of different other levels in uh, other uh, vessels, and that element is out there. It's followed me in my entire career, uh, and that's part of it. I. Uh, you know, I think early, early on, uh, when I was young, it, it, it bothered me a little. And then I really, you know, I learned to just shrug it off. And, and um, you know, it's okay. It's okay that there's critics. It's okay that there's naysayers. It's okay that there's haters. It's, it's okay. I get it. That's life. That's the life we live in. It's part of our culture. And it doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, when I know that I'm doing something that I love, I'm passionate about it, and I'm doing all the right things, right? I want to go to bed at night knowing that I won or lost on my own merit, and I did it the right way. I don't want help. I don't want to cheat. I don't want to, to you know, mismeasure or bend. I don't want any part of that. I'm not doing it because of that. What was that last one? Any parts of that? Did he say what bend the board? Last, bend, Holy, bend the board! I heard the rumors. Um, I don't want any parts of that, and and so, you know, so there's that element to it. But here's here's the reality of it, and the reality of it is is I do everything in my power to to do things the right way. When I submit fish, I Every fish I catch, and again, I, I put AJ on the spot, but I learned this from AJ. AJ disqualified one of my fish on the Susquehanna because it wasn't the right picture. I did something wrong, and I only took that one picture. I didn't know any better. I thought you just took one picture. That's What's risky. The fuck That's risky right there, man. I don't know shit, right? <laughs> but, I, but I learned something. From that tournament on, I take seven to ten pictures of each oh, fish. Yeah. I, I bookmark it with me holding the fish. I've learned a lot since that mistake at, at Susquehanna. And so when I submit a fish, I submit it, and I, I wait for that notification to come through. And when I see approval from Tourney X, 
And when I see approval from the tournament director or directors, in this case, there were two, I did everything right. I did everything right. And I did my job. So the burden, I mean, the, the burden's not on me at that point, right? No, if the, they, the burden's not on you at all. And I don't if think they would have asked for us, if they would have asked, if they would have said, hey, this picture's a little off, we need another picture. I got seven or eight more waiting for you. Which oh, yeah. one do you want, right? So none of that really, none of that bothers me um, personally. And I, I, you know, it's okay. Uh, you know, I know, I know I won that event and I know I did all the right things. So it doesn't bother me. But, you know, as, um, as a culture of, you know, armchair quarterbacks, I, I, don't, I don't think it's right, but it's not unique to kayak fishing. You see it everywhere in life and every sport and every walk of life and every business you have that. And I don't think it's right that our culture has, has that, but at the same time, it's not going to bring me down, man. Yeah, I got that trophy right back there. See it? Nobody yeah. can take that shit away from me now. And, and you know what? That's the good and bad of kayak fishing because it's really good that those fish are there for all to see. Absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, because once you yeah. weigh them in on a, you know, out of a bass boat, you weigh them in, let them go. And that's the end of that. You don't know what happened up there, but we can all go look at those pictures. So that's both good and bad because you got people nitpicking them apart, but also you can't hide anything. The pics right. are what they are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that's the safety net of it. And like you said, I think Ryan posted one of your backup pictures of that, of that fishing question. And yeah, it was all, dude, all that's good. all there. And I was like, send me that shit. Like people are ridiculous. Yeah. Like thinking that and and honestly i hope that you had learned that to take multiple pictures i text charles when the fires first started burning and i was like hey man uh see if he's got any extra pictures of that fish just yeah preemptively yeah. here but then there's like yeah he yeah he texted this morning sent us sent us another picture and i mean honestly like like you said the burden kind of kind of fell on bass for accepting that picture because generally speaking like if a if a judge sees that your picture is unacceptable they'll either deny it on 30x and put in the comments like hey you know finger was under the gill or mouth was open or whatever it is or they will reach out to you directly and be like hey you got another picture to replace this with uh, and i mean that's that's commonplace yeah. so i think the fact that you know that it made it through and it looked like it looked like uh, to the people sitting on the couch that that was special treatment in some way uh, that I think that's what kind of got everybody stirred up and I mean yeah let me yeah I'll, I'll address yeah I'll address that, that too know? real quick I'll address that too real quick and and just to preface that again I want I hope everybody knows I I'm in this for the right reasons man and I want to win by my own merit and I want to lose by my own merit and if I make a mistake and it cost me the tournament. I want to. I I want to lose that tournament. I don't. I don't want to win by anything else but my own merit. Yeah. But the, the I, I do want to address real quick. You, you know the favoritism thing or whatever. There's none of that. In fact, it's probably the opposite in Bass. And you got to remember. And I love those guys dearly. I love the staff at Bass and everybody there. But all those years I fished at Bass, I got that a lot. He's the golden boy of Bass. That's so untrue. You don't you don't realize Bass had it out for me from day one. <laughs> you know how many how much money and fines that I had to pay Bass? Yes. Yeah. Do you know how many times that was DQ'd? <laughs> Do you know how mad they were? They're still mad that I left to go fish MLF. You think hey. they're rooting for me? They ain't rooting for me. <laughs> hey, John's in the comments. You got another fine coming your way, I think. I probably have a fine. <laughs> 
right now. And I love those guys. I, but I say that sort of, I, I say that to clear the air that I know those guys and they 100% would never do that to jeopardize the sport, to jeopardize, to jeopardize the name of BASS, one of the best tournament leagues ever created. You think they would jeopardize that to give me a kayak trophy? They wouldn't do that. They what does this mean? What does this mean here? John Stewart said light pole. What does that mean? Light pole. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. Back at the classic, I, I had a fit and kicked the light pole. I was thinking that thing. I've had so many experiences of it. And, it. and I say that in jest. I love those guys. I love what they do. But um, they would never, ever show favoritism for me or Kevin Van Dam or any of them. You know, there are no golden boys. They have to be this. Not even that little guy with the mustache. What's his name? The guy with uh, Zeth. Oh, yeah. Zeth, Zeth and Matt, there's no favoritism there. You know? I figure if you get caught doing that, that's the death of your organization, I would say. It's the oh, death yeah. of organization. You don't want to be that organization. And, and they, know, they know that. And I know that, you know. And, and I appreciate that. We mentioned it earlier about tournament directors. That's the hardest job in the world. Shout out to John Stewart. Shout out to Trip Weldon. Shout out to all those tournament AJ. Shout out to all the tournament directors out there. I don't want that job. I never want to be a tournament director. It sucks. It's hard. I don't want to be that person. It's a tough job, you know. Yeah, it's like being a referee in sports. All you get's the hate. Never a pat on the back. Yeah, nobody's ever happy. I yeah. like it. That's right. hey, I, I'm, Jeff, do you have, what have you got? What do you got? No, no, I, we've had this fellow a long time. I don't want to keep hold him hostage all night. Although uh, somebody mentioned uh, Jay Wallen's favorite angler said, get Zal dangerous in a kayak. That would be awesome. I don't know. About he'd be good. He'd be good in the <laughs> kayak. I, I sort of, I did call out Brandon Palnick a little bit because I know Brandon was trying to chase my bass record. I called him out a little bit. I think Brandon would be great in a kayak, you know? Any of those guys? Those guys are oh, little Justin wired. Lucas. He Justin Lucas fishes out of a yak on Justin does. Too, in his Justin time. does. Jordan Lee does. And he you know, does. look at look at look at those guys. They're all little wiry guys. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. perfect for kayak. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No man, I don't have anything else, Ryan. You got, you got anything you want to add, man? I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you you know, you're a friend of the show. I, I appreciate you supporting the Save JT tournament that we did. Um, will you tell us a little bit about your tournament? You've got a charity event coming up here, uh, Kayak Derby, actually. We do. We do. I'll, I'll leave you with two things. Uh, yes, uh, Ike Foundation, you know, our mission is to get kids fishing, right? We, we really work hard to get new kids fishing. Specifically, you know, like we try to focus on kids that don't normally fish, you know, city kids, kids in areas where fishing's not a thing. They're the kids we're trying to get fishing. But we only hold about three or four uh, fundraisers a year, and our kayak one is a big one. This is a big fundraiser for us. It's a fun event. We're going to have great prizes. There's going to be great camaraderie out there, a uh, little bit of money up there for first place. Uh, it's this September. I see you got it pulled up right there. Uh, invite anybody that wants to come up and have a great tournament. We have it on a super sick lake this year, uh, Lake Nakamixon. It's uh, it's in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's it's uh, you know in the tri-state area. So if you're up here, if you're in, in the south, wherever you're at, come fish with us. Uh, it's going to be a great time. All the proceeds generated are going to go toward getting new kids fishing. I'm going to be there. I won't be competing, but I'll be there hanging out. I'm kind of going to be the media boat this year. 
So I'm going uh -oh. to get to, yeah, I'm going to get to go around live through, through most of the day with some great coverage on the Ike Foundation website and my website. So we'll have some great media coverage in this one. Um, get to get to, to cover a little bit of the guys doing well. So please come up. It's, it's the end of September, mid to end of September. Come up, go to the IkeFoundation.org and check it out. The other thing, I, I, and I gave you a little teaser on it, but I did want to mention it before I left with you guys tonight. Um, really, really big announcement coming up. The specifics of it coming up over the next couple of weeks. A new TV show that we're launching. Uh, very, very excited for everyone to see it. Uh, it's a unique format. It's a different uh, TV fishing TV show than you've seen before. And hopefully, you know, people will will appreciate the show. But over the next couple of weeks, keep your eye out on my social channels and my website for information about the show coming up really, really soon. About three weeks away. Uh -oh. from yeah. we, we had a lot of people mentioning City Limits in the con in the comments about how much they used to like that. So I'm sure they're excited to see it. And if you I ever need kayak, guys. I think I've seen like a teaser trailer. I think I've seen a teaser trailer for this show. We That's did. We, we launched it. Yeah, we launched a little teaser last week. We're going to do another teaser this week. And starting next week, you're going to get some hardcore details. So it's going to be right. a good one. In season good one. two, in season two, if you need some kayak content, Ryan and I are very photogenic. On, on hey. so bring us on. <laughs> we probably will need that. I awesome. like it. I like it. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to see what you do moving forward in the sport. Hopefully, uh, we'll see you at some of these championships coming up. I, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the time coming on. It's always fun. And uh, – Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening tonight. I hope you have a good one. Yes, sir. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. You, We're going to wrap it up. We're gone.